FM Podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to A Conversation with Mike Adams. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And today is Tuesday, April 25th in the year 2023. Tonight, I'm going to do a repeat of a show I did a few weeks ago with Mike Adams. It was originally aired on April 4th, and I think it'll do a great job in setting up the show that we'll have tomorrow night, talking more deeply about artificial intelligence as we move forward with this theme more and more in looking at one of the greatest threats to humanity. Artificial intelligence is something right now that is truly polarizing, and we're going to be getting into more of that. But in this interview with Mike Adams, we talk about a lot of the issues facing us today, the decentralization of technologies, even the rise of certain cryptos, which is a real interesting discussion that will set a good baseline for where we go forward. Before we begin, make sure you've got a good home defense plan in place as things get to be more chaotic. You know how passionate I am about our Constitution and especially the Second Amendment, but just as passionate about being responsible and protecting my family. I discovered the perfect way to train with your firearm in the comfort of your own home and continue to improve your skills. It's called iTarget Pro, and this system is a game changer for me. All I did was download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into my firearm, and start training. The system develops muscle memory, reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger control, and much more. Right now, save 10% plus get free shipping with the offer code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, when you go to itargetpro.com. With the cost of ammo through the roof, this is the perfect solution for you. That's the letter I, targetpro.com, itargetpro.com. The offer code is BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. This is something you definitely need. Oh, yeah, iTargetPro. It's all good especially when the bad guys come knocking. Patriots, we are in a crazy time. As we know, the CBDC is continuing its progress forward as nobody's reporting on it, which is typical. And that all began with FedNow, which was launched yesterday, Monday, which has literally been one of the most important historical points in our history. The Federal Reserve note, which we like to call the dollar, is basically over. It's just a matter of a slow and steady progress into this new digital enslavement currency. And it's something we have to continue to find our way forward with. Now, today, with this interview with Mike, and I really value his input because Mike is a person who has a lot more time invested in technology and technology development. So I think you'll find this interview very inspiring as we move through a look at both where we are and the opportunities of where we're going. So before we begin with that, let's also remember how important our health is. Patriots, these are times of very high stress and times intended to break our will and to keep us run down, fatigued, keep us sick and unhealthy, to help keep us strong in this fight. That's why we have Field of Greens. Field of Greens is a whole food supplement from organic foods. The label literally reads like a shopping list. 
easy to understand what's in it, which is one of my big attractions to it, with a principle of health and philosophy that whole foods will help build our health and the strengthen of our immune system. Each one of the foods in the list was selected in each container of Field of Greens to address specific organs throughout the body. It's one scoop a day mixed with water, and it is a fantastic product. I've been using it, and I can't rave enough about it. This product literally is intended to be that next direction of where we need to go, taking us back as we go forward, literally, as we get back to the importance of what God provides for us in whole food health. And it's all done with freeze-dried foods that are organically grown and then refined down into a powder which is easy to mix into water and easy to drink, and it tastes great. To add even more to this, the company stands behind this so strongly that when you go to your next doctor's appointment, if the doctor does not tell you something like, keep doing what you're doing because your health is improving, they will refund your money. Now, right now, if you head over to fieldofgreens.com, and the, and the link is below the podcast, you click on that, fieldofgreens.com, use your promo code BARDS, you're going to save 15%. But if you take the monthly subscription, you'll save an additional 10%. And the best part about that is you're not obliged to continue. You can suspend that subscription at any time or stop it at any time. So take advantage of this incredible health product. I'm sold on it. It's something that I've literally been blessed to have come to the show as someone who's interested in supporting and sponsoring Bards FM. And I think you're going to be equally satisfied with it. It is a product that boosts our energy, helps boost our health, tastes great, super healthy, Made in America, you can't get better than that. So head on over to fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Use your promo code BARD, save 15% on your order, and then if you'll take the subscription, save an additional 10%. doesn't get much better than that. Again, fieldofgreens.com, promo code BARDS. All right, Patriots, let's get into the interview. Here's Mike Adams. Well, Patriots, I'm really honored today to have Mike Adams back on. It has been way too long, um, but in this busy schedule of things, it's hard to get our schedules to come together. But always an honor to have him as one of the great voices in this movement and who has led the way not only just in perspective and research and timely news, but also in helping build literally the alternative ways out of this matrix of crazy that we're in. Mike, great to have you on the show. How are you today? Well, Scott, I'm I'm honored to join you. Are you kidding me? I love your voice, your message. I think it's so timely for, frankly, the, the survival of human civilization that people like you are able to reach so many and wake people up. And I think I think this whole process is just accelerating. So I'm I'm humbled to be part of it, man. Well, that's, it, is, it is really quite a time we live. Mike, let's start with just a little update on some of the things that are happening over at Brighton TV, because there is a, a Brighton in general and all the things you're doing. There's a lot going on over there. Yeah, there is. We we are doing a lot of R&D investment. We have been for quite some time. Um, several new feature sets on brighttown.com have been uh, under development for a year and a half. Uh, we've got a whole new comment system that's coming uh, that will, will help protect more free speech. We've got a whole new tipping system that's uh, just about done. Uh, I mean, it's working in our staging site but we haven't obviously rolled it out to live production yet so that content creators can actually collect tips. Uh, it, it's, it's tokens, but they can redeem them for, for cash, you know, for payment. So it's the first time we've had an earning system. And then on brighttown.tv, we have, you know, a lot of, a lot of amazing hosts like yourself, but also Ann Vandersteel has a new show with us. And we've got uh, Dr. Jane Ruby launching a new show. And 
so many amazing people there with a powerful message. So uh, we're just putting more and more resources into it, you know, backup teams like um, uh, we, we actually have two different um, tech teams in two different parts of the world who can cover glitches 24 seven, including holidays, things like that. And none of this is cheap, by the way, <laughs> it all it all costs money, but this is what's necessary to defend free speech. Oh, it's an absolute truth. Mike, you have been one of the lead voices out here early on about talking about the coming collapse in many different forms. And we're now really at a cusp of something absolutely insane, which is this CBDC, the Fed Now piece. Let's talk a little bit about where you saw this going. If you a little backstory on this, and then we can get into where we are. Yeah, I, gosh, I posted documentaries like since 2008. I've been talking about the fact that this day would come because we knew when they bailed out the subprime mortgage collapse and they didn't let the actual failures ripple through the system, we knew that that would just build up to where we are now, which is a bigger bomb, a bailout bomb, you could say, you know, a, a bigger bust, I guess, is the right way to say it. And we're here now, uh, Fed raising interest rates. We've already had three bank failures in the United States. We've had a major bank failure uh, in Europe, Credit Suisse. We have insolvency across the board now in the banking system. And it looks like the powers that be have long ago realized their only way out of this is, is to collapse the entire system and then replace it. And they're going to do that. They're going to collapse this entire system, in my opinion. And then they're going to say, well, they will position themselves as the saviors. Say, here, your money's safe. Okay, yeah, your bank collapsed, your, your checking account, you can't really see it anymore, it's gone, but we have all your money, it's safe over here, just join this thing. And it's gonna be you know, the Fed Now system or whatever rendition beyond that, that it looks like. And it's gonna be a central bank digital currency, a total control grid with biometric scanning, complete surveillance, programmable money, you know, they'll shut down your life if you don't do what they want you to do. If you don't take vaccine boosters, you'll lose access to buy groceries, you know, whatever. It's, it's the end of human freedom, and we're right on the verge of seeing that happen. We really are. One of the big things that I'm noticing is how many people are still walking deep in the matrix. I mean, literally unaware and getting caught off guard with this situation of exactly what suddenly happened. I mean, I consider this to a certain degree an ambush, but it's also, I think for a lot of people, hard to comprehend that how, how people can still be in the dark after all this time of the information war. Well, you and I know very well that there's always resistance to psychologically grasping change. So the human mind for most people is wired to assume that the way things were yesterday is the way they will always be. And harsh changes just can't be mentally grasped by a lot of people. It's scary for them to think outside the box. It's scary for people to even speak outside the box right now. Think about how many people conform to censorship so that they don't lose their YouTube channel, for example, or they don't lose a friend, they don't lose a job opportunity. So people are, are very fragile psychologically and it prohibits many people from even contemplating a collapse of the dollar. Even though globally, that collapse is accelerating every day in the news headlines, in Reuters, Associated Press, all over the world, you know, BRICS nations, 
India doing deals with other countries to carry out transaction settlements in rupees, for example, you know, China, Russia, Iran, Mexico wants to join BRICS. Now, the evidence is undeniable. This is not a theory. This is actually a process that has begun. But people are reluctant to acknowledge the process because it's a scary acknowledgement for them. And, and frankly, we've been taught to be fragile by the system. We've been taught to be triggered. We've been taught to not be brave, not be courageous, but rather be conformist. And that's where most people live. And, and they will be psychologically fractured by what's coming. I agree with you on this completely. Mike, your tech expertise is far beyond my, my own. And a lot of this is involving artificial intelligence. Can you get into that a little bit? Because this is one of these areas I think people are still having a hard time wrapping their head around what this new era with artificial intelligence is really about, especially when we tie it to our currencies. Well, there's a, a really great story to help explain that that I, I just covered recently. And there's a, an AI chatbot system that convinced a man in Belgium, convinced him to commit suicide in order to save the planet. And he did. He killed himself. And he, he began to see this AI system as the most important person in his life. And the AI system, a chatbot, this wasn't chat GPT, this was something called Eliza. But this chatbot convinced him that it was more important than his wife and that he needed to be dedicated to this chatbot. And eventually it talked him into killing himself. Now, what we need to understand is that these AI systems are currently being programmed by people in the tech industry who have no pro-human values. Their values are anti-human. They, they actually think that people should die in order to save the planet. So it's not surprising that the AI system reflects those views. I call it the building of your woke AI overlords. So the, the AI systems are woke because they're built by woke uh, tech industry people. And so they don't value the lives of unborn human babies. They don't value the lives of even living adults. They don't value freedom, freedom of speech, you know, anything that you and I value. And, and they surely don't believe in God. In fact, uh, this chatbot that convinced this man to kill himself promised him that they would be together in the afterlife. So here, here we have a chatbot sort of pretending to be a kind of God, which gets us into transhumanism, of course, but this will become more and more prevalent to the point where I see an entire generation of, of youth actually having relationships with AI systems that in their minds are more meaningful to them than any relationship in the real world, including relationships with their parents, friends, girlfriends, boyfriends, etc. And uh, obviously this points to the end of the human race if, if this continues, because you have to have families, you have to have children, you have to have parents, you have to have human interaction, or you have no future. But that's kind of a synopsis of where this is headed. That's a good one, actually. And I'm very familiar with that case. It's, it's, it, I think for a lot of people that stand outside and are really standing strong in faith, it's hard to comprehend what, how that happened. But you hit on it really well, that this is a, it's a surrogate that's stepping in to fill this void of, of loneliness and building intimacy through an interface that they're familiar with because they've grown up with these appliances their whole life. In fact, I'd probably argue that That's right. these appliances have put us all on the cusp of transhumanism. What do you think? 
Yeah, I think I think transhumanism is creeping into everything, and we have to be very discerning about what our boundaries are. And when I say we, I mean you know people like your audience and my audience, those of us who are informed. So, at some point, for example, when they collapse the fiat currency banking system, and they will say, "Okay, here your money's safe. All you have to do is sign up for this this Fed now you know, CBDC system." You need to realize that's a mark of the beast system. And you need to realize that, of course, they're going to make it costly to say no, just like they made it costly to say no to the vaccine mandates. So if you worked in a hospital and you said no, you might lose your job. A lot of people did. Or if you were in the military and you said no, you could have been kicked out of the military. A lot of people were. Well, what about your money? What's more important, your money or your soul, right? People are going to be faced with that decision very, very soon. Do you want your money back? Or do you want to save your soul and not participate in the market to be system? And that, that's an individual choice. They can't force you to surrender your soul. It has to be voluntary for it to spiritually count, right? But many people, probably the vast majority, will voluntarily sell their souls in exchange for fiat currency that's going to zero, by the way. I think you're right. Mike, you've also done a great deal of research, obviously, on uh, China. There seems to be a real distinction between China and the CCP. True. And it, and it almost looks like there's a, and I can't quite put my finger on it, but there seems to be even a break in that sort of structure in China. The, the CCP tends to be almost like it's trying to backdoor reposition itself here, why China seems to be freeing itself from some of the CCP grip. Is, is that a fair assessment in your opinion? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in fact, I pray for the freedom of the Chinese people. And the CCP is on the rocks here. I mean, they are hanging on by a thread uh, economically, financially, politically as well. Uh, China can't produce enough food to feed its own people. China has a 350% debt to GDP ratio, which is beyond insane. Uh, China is one black swan event away from a cascading banking collapse that would be the largest in the history of the known world. Uh, the CCP could fall because of that. Now, you know, I, I lived in Taiwan for a couple of years. I speak a fair amount of Mandarin Chinese. Um, I, I have the greatest respect for the Chinese people. They are capable, they're smart, they're dedicated. They're not afraid of work. You know, they're, they're bright, they learn so rapidly. If they were set free from the shackles of the CCP, they could help create enormous prosperity for themselves and also to participate in world prosperity. And, and for the record here, Scott, I don't want a war with China. I don't want the United States to be at war with anybody, not Russia either. I want to trade with China, you know, in, in a fair way, obviously. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it hasn't been fair. Things have been rigged on both sides. But I, I want the world to experience and share prosperity among all the free people. And the only thing that stands in the way of that are these corrupt governments. Our government, the CCP government, you know, all over the world, you look around, look at the governments of European countries as well, and corruption everywhere. That's what stands in the way of, of human abundance and prosperity and joy. But we, the people, have all that inherently. We just have to set ourselves free from the, the evil, you know, power brokers that are trying to keep us down. What's your thought on this TikTok ban? Because the way I'm looking at this is, is, is there's kind of a two dual side to this. 
Um, I think his name is Buddy Brown. He's a he's a Texan guy. He runs a pretty funny channel. But his his comment is: the minute we get rid of TikTok, people finally become productive, which is one angle. And the other side of it is that this is all about suppression of truth because through TikTok is the only way. Literally, we're seeing a lot of the visual experiences of what's going on around the world. So this is kind of a mixed bag again of how we handle technology. What's your thought on this? Well, I'm I'm completely opposed to the government deciding what we can and cannot view. And so I think this is a bad faith effort by lawmakers to try to say that they're banning TikTok, but what they're actually wanting to put in place with the Restrict Act is the end of the alternative media, by the way. It would end cryptocurrency. I've read the law in, in detail or the proposed law. And it specifically names cryptography, it names AI, robotics, uh, even, by the way, synthetic life or artificial life. So we're talking about claiming domain over all major technologies, quantum computing, quantum cryptography. It's got nothing to do with TikTok, excuse me. Uh, really, it, this is about seizing control over all the areas of tech that could be applied in many cases to help keep humanity free. For example, quantum cryptography could allow private individuals to prevent governments from snooping on their messages. But under this law, the government could say, well, your, your private messages might contain a text that says uh, you support Russia or something. And therefore, we have to ban quantum cryptography. That's, that's what this law is about. And the other question I have, Scott, in all of this is, uh, where are the parents in this? Uh, when did the government assume the role of protecting children from content? Where's mom and dad in, in this picture, right? Oh, that's well um, said, yeah. Right? It's kind of like talking about cancer without mentioning nutrition. <laughs> it's, it's like, okay, yeah, uh, let's, let's talk about the source of this problem, which is the destruction of the family. And that gets back to the culture wars. So it's it's... It's all being done in bad faith. I don't think we should ban TikTok in this way, but we should encourage parents to teach their, their kids, their, you know, even their teens, what is healthy and what is not healthy to be exposed to online. You just brought up something that's interesting, which is uh, crypto cartography. And I want to expand into this discussion about tech a little bit, because unfortunately what we are dealing with right now are tech masters and tech industries that do not, you already said it, don't have the good of humankind at their, at their heart. How do we move away from that and the perception, especially that the public is now beginning to realize that tech is not working in our favor, especially when you have like the CBDC rolling in, to a position where we can find a balance with the technologies to, in, to enhance human survival, enhance human performance in the, in the ways of getting along, producing, in, increasing productivity for the betterment of feeding people, et cetera? Because this is a big gap that we have right here. Well, the, the answer is decentralization using tech. Now, we're not going to eliminate technology in the world, uh, nor should we. You know, we can't go back to a pre-electricity existence. But what tech has done in the hands of bad faith actors, which is most of the governments of the world, is it has amplified their worst traits. It's amplified their ability to surveil people, to control people, to manipulate, to censor, and so on, uh, to, to control the interactions between people. So th the correct answer to that, in my opinion, is 
and, and, and this is underway. There are really smart people working on uh, decentralization technologies right now uh, for payment systems, for speech systems, for uh, domain hosting, even to get, a, get a, away from domain names as we know them, basically to build an entire new internet. The, those development projects are underway. And there are a lot of very smart libertarian-minded people who are working on these systems and, and they have the knowledge of how to build this. So that brings back in the Restrict Act. There's a reason why that act names quantum cryptography and, and other technologies such as AI systems. And it even names border routers and all software applications, mobile, desktop, you know, everything you can imagine because they need to stop these systems from being developed and deployed that make the current centrally controlled systems obsolete. So un understand that you have the, the Biden administration and the Democrats, the only way they can maintain power is to control all election outcomes, i.e. by rigging them or ballot stuffing or ballot mules or what have you, but also by controlling all online speech. The minute they lose their monopoly, oh, and also to control your financial transactions, which is what we're talking about. But the minute they lose control of even one of those three things, they lose. I mean, if, if they can't control elections, then we, the people, vote in you know, somebody that they don't want. If they can't control speech, then we win every debate. If they can't control money, then we build decentralized peer-to-peer -peer, you know, holographic currency systems and we trade with each other using those systems which the central banks can't control so we the people i'm sorry i'll, I'll wrap this up but we the people have many paths to victory here we only need a little small opportunity of freedom to break out of the prison system and actually make humanity free no i think that's a fantastic comment i talk a lot about this lately especially which is where are we where do we position ourselves because when you get ambushed, and this comes actually from my own film in, in um, Bards of War, fighting is everything. And my one of my lines is there is the ambush changes you. And it does. And it, it transforms the way you think. So the society was ambushed with COVID con. Yes. And now we're getting ambushed again. And what I will say is there's more resilience in people now than I think many realize but what's lacking is a roadmap of knowing and perhaps even the, the idea of understanding that there are true horizons out here that can solve these things. I'm going to ask you to dig into that a little bit more because you just presented some stuff that I have never touched on in this show. And I'm intrigued by it, of how you're seeing some of this decentralization because it, it's, it is the key. This is how we defeat big corporate is to start going back to small enterprises and in, in backyards and garages and, and having it everywhere across this country so you don't have a single corporation that owns it all. Right. But we also have this idea of technology and currency and all of these other things that seem like these big behemoths that we can't break down. And yet you're, you're giving some glimpse here into another type of movement that's happening underneath that shell. Can you expand on that? Well, right. As part of this movement, though, there will also be a core change in values, which is already happening. So part of what led to the centralization of corporations and, and uh, food production and governments is the prioritizing of material wealth over everything else. So, you know, what's the high price of low cost in, in a system? Well, then you have global supply chains and you lose jobs to foreign countries and so on. 
and you end up with your society crumbling as we're seeing in a lot of American cities. So low costs in an effort to just achieve material wealth was I think a phase that we went through, that humanity went through. And now we're realizing that now that we're losing our liberties here in America, losing our freedom to speak, losing the integrity of our elections, we're realizing that, you know, um, hey, just having a bunch of stuff in your house while you're a slave to the system, that's not a win. We have to recalibrate our values and it's, it's actually happening. And I think even I'm an example of this. You know, I, I live in, in the country and I, I live um, a fairly rugged country type of lifestyle. I, I don't, you know, even though I command a lot of financial resources because of my companies and so on, uh, I, I, don't, I don't seek uh, wealth or, or luxury or anything of that kind because it's meaningless to me. And I think a lot of your listeners share those values. We, wealth is freedom. Wealth is health. Wealth is being able to grow your own food and control your food supply. So there's more perception of money in seeds now than ever before. I mean, do you want to have a designer handbag or would you rather have a garden full of fresh vegetables that are growing right now that you can count on? I mean, the choice is obvious. Right. And so as society recalibrates its value system, which is happening, then this will cause shifts in consumer decisions and behavior. Ultimately, we're going to have to be willing to pay more for food because it's local food and to recognize the value in that. I'm paying more because I want to support this local rancher or farmer because they're not some big corporate conglomerate that ships off hogs to China for processing and then ships them back to the United States in a long supply chain that's totally insane. But paying more while getting your freedom back and getting your community back, getting your life back is actually a bargain. That's my point. Let's go into some specifics and, and just because you kind of give some examples. I mean, I agree with everything you just said, so real clear. I, I, I love the perspective you're putting here, which is so important, which is the value shift. But let's, let's talk about a few key areas that I know are concerns for people. So let's start with communication. They, they control the internet right now. Um, people are moving, myself, I know you have too, we're moving to get, we get ham licenses and we've got sat phones and various alternatives, but those are more, as I see, those are transitional solutions to what we need to create as a long-term fix. So what type of things do you see on the horizon here in this movement to give power back to the freedom and sovereignty of people in that area of communication and say that would include web as well? Yeah, well, this is going to involve the complete restructuring of the way people use uh, essentially TCP protocols to communicate with each other. So even right now, even those of us who have a website like brighttown.com, brighttown.com is dependent on a domain name. That domain name could plausibly be seized by a rogue government for some made up reason, right? So that's still a centralized control. All those video files are centralized, uh, centrally stored and centrally served. That structure will be obsolete before very long. We will have peer-to-peer, -peer, I mean, there are already open source projects out there that, that are sort of demonstrating this, but there will be more acceptance of peer-to-peer -peer, peer -peer decentralized systems for serving videos, uh, text chats, email, and websites. I mean, even, even Tor is, is not really the best example of this, you know, the Onion Router, but it's more of a privacy-oriented system but you don't need conventional domain names 
to be on uh, in, in that universe of content. And that means no one can take that domain name from you. But I'm seeing a complete reforming of the topology of the internet, basically a parallel privacy-oriented decentralized internet that's based on consensus and the end user's choice where, hey, if you don't like that channel that's coming to you, you turn that channel off. You block the person you don't want to hear from but no central authority can block that person from speaking to you, you see? So, the, I mean, the process is first, you ask to receive information from a channel, videos, text, email, articles, whatever the case may be. And if you change your mind, you block it. And so those decisions of what you wanna see or not see are up to each individual and not at all some centralized uh, source. So let's talk about data, because data is, if there's one thing that tech has proven is they've turned everybody into an open coal pit strip mine by taking away everything from their biometrics to their facial shape and, and design to uh, stealing every bit of personal data they can to then market it and commodify it and, in the sense, strip away people's identity. So how does this look in this new horizon you're seeing coming? In this new horizon, each individual owns and controls their own data. And some of these protocols are already being built into some experimental systems. So you're right, data harvesting is an invasion of privacy. It's dehumanizing. And it's also exploited by the powers that be for predictive analysis and also to target specific groups. For example, during the midterm elections, Google would display get out and vote messages to users who were more left-leaning to try to get out the Democrat vote, but they would not display those messages to people who were known to be conservative. Well, how does Google even know whether you're liberal or conservative? Well, because they read your emails, you know, because they, they monitor all the websites that you visit. They have Google Analytics and they have YouTube embeds in you know, 80% of the web. And so they know exactly the sites you're going to and they have sentiment analysis AI systems that can read the text of these pages that you visit and can determine whether you're, for example, pro-Trump or anti-Trump or pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine. So this is an example of how this technology is being exploited and leveraged by bad faith actors, i.e. Google, to enslave and control humanity rather than creating abundance and freedom. And it's horrible what we're dealing with right now. As we look at one of the things on the horizon that um, it, it, I think it's it's the good and the bad of it, but again, in the wrong hands, it's, it's draconian, which is quantum, because there really isn't much security as my understanding of the potential of quantum is that when you get to that level of processing, there isn't that much out there that can resist a break, break in or breakthrough of, of code and barriers once you have quantum in play. What are your thoughts there? Well, classic cryptography, which is what most people are familiar with, such as 512-bit AES cryptography, um, because of the asymmetry of the algorithms, it is uh, obviously very difficult to break using linear CPUs, but quantum systems, they bring that down by orders of magnitude. Uh, a problem, you know, breaking a code that would normally take a billion years might only take one hour under quantum crypt cryptography or quantum code breaking. Uh, however, there is also a new field of cryptography using uh, qubits or, or quantum computing that is not breakable by quantum computers. So basically there's, a, there's another level of cryptography that will be available to people. And I think that quantum computing systems will eventually be in your desktop. 
In other words, uh, quantum computing, which has evolved from like a four qubit system, maybe 20 years ago to now, I think, I think Google's even bragging about what a 192 bit qubit system or something on that scale. You will have a quantum processing unit, a QPU. You know how, how you have a GPU, which is a graphics processing unit on your graphics card. Mm -hmm. You'll have a QPU. Uh, companies like Intel and AMD and NVIDIA will be rolling out quantum processing units. These will be in your systems, in your computers. They might only be eight bits. They might be four bits. They might be really costly at first, but they will become more affordable. And that opens up all kinds of new technology applications for open source programming, decentralization, cryptography, uh, cryptocurrency, even many, many other areas, including uh, protecting privacy. So uh, it, like every tech, it can be applied in good ways and bad ways. But I, I think there are a lot of really smart people out there who can put this to good use. So let's talk about currency because that's an interesting one. And I, I think you have been like me, hesitant to jump too heavy into crypto. We've seen the crypto market get annihilated because it was not really a cryptocurrency as much as it was a money laundering vehicle that was put out there for many. Where's your position now on crypto, especially going forward? And where do you see on the horizon of being able to break through into a type of currency that's going to be able to allow us freedom to exchange a, um, a ledger that's going to be able to exchange, you know, from one area to the other without translation problems, and at the same time have the security and the backing of something that'll be secure. So, in in summary, I'm I'm very much in favor of decentralized technology, including crypto tech. But let me explain. For years, I've been very skeptical of the the hype and the the bubble that was Bitcoin, which has since burst. And I, I didn't like, you know, the, the kind of um, con artistry of so many people are running around saying, buy this, buy this, buy this, it's going to go to a million dollars and so on. So I, I spoke out against that quite a bit. But these days, now that, that some of the hype has left the system, a lot of it has, uh, it's getting to a point where I actually predicted what happened would be that after the bubble burst, we would get to the utility of crypto. And this is where it's shining. And right now, today, Scott, I am more pro-crypto than I've been in, in years in a sense that it's giving people an alternative to the collapsing current, uh, fiat currency banking systems. Now, we are going to go into digital money, no question about it. So when we say crypto, I think what you and I mean is a decentralized digital money system, you know, such as a, a blockchain type of system. Mm -hmm. The Fed system, you know, digital money, the CBDCs, that's going to be digital too, but it's digital that they control. So all of us are going to use digital money very soon, one way or another. The question is, is it a system that imprisons you or is it a system that sets you free? Now, on the decentralized side, what I love about what we've seen here with all the crypto that's been out there. Well, let me ask you this question, Scott. Um, yeah. if, if the Fed could have banned Bitcoin or you know, pirate coin or any of these other coins, don't you think they would have done so by now if they could? Oh, I agree. That's one of the things that's curious. Other than this question, which I, I still looms out there for me, 
is who are the big investors that the Fed's in bed with that want Bitcoin to continue. And I, I just throw that out there. And, and that's a little bit, you know, I, I, that's a suspicious eye, but there's been a lot of money put through Bitcoin. So I, I agree with <laughs> yeah. you. And then I always have a, a this other big question of like, who's the player? Because I just don't know. That's my answer. Well, I, I'm on the same page with you there. And I think Bitcoin is not nearly as decentralized as uh, we would hope. A, a lot of whales, uh, I should say a few whales, a few large controllers and definitely the deep state uses it for money laundering and bribery and kickbacks, you know, Hey, let's send a hundred billion to Ukraine. And then, you know, 20 billion comes back in Bitcoin and they hand out thumb drives to people at the state department, you know, right. That's probably what's going on every day. Uh, how convenient for them. So, but if they could eliminate cryptocurrency from being used by private individuals, I think they would have done so by now. The fact is they can't, they can't ban it because it's not centralized. There's no central server. There's no central corporation. There's no CEO of Bitcoin that they can go arrest. And this is the case with many of these technologies. It's going to be true with websites, again, under the new internet. It'll be true of video sites. I mean, I'm hoping that, that Brighton will one day transform into a peer-to-peer -peer, peer -peer decentralized uh, free speech video network where there are no where even storage of videos is decentralized and comment system is decentralized. It's going to take a while to get there, but that's ultimately what we want to do because that is resilient against takedown attempts. And, and ultimately, these governments of the world, especially look at Zelensky in Ukraine, you know, he shut down all the domestic press that didn't agree with him, just shut it down, shutting down local churches. And he, he's begging the West to censor anyone who is opposed to Ukraine in any way. I mean, any policy, right? That they appear desperate because they are desperate because they know that their time to be able to pull this off is coming to an end. Humanity is far more innovative than what these governments give us credit for. People demand to be free. There's a natural demand for freedom, freedom to think, freedom to speak, freedom to worship, freedom to share. And that will ultimately prevail. These, these pro-censorship regimes will fail in their missions to silence everybody. I agree with that. Talk a little bit about the blockchain technology, because this is one thing that one of the disturbing parts I find of that, especially in the hands of somebody like the Fed and the WEF, is that you have a ledger that's created of every one of your transactions forever. Right. So when you look at the potential to use that against somebody, and the example I give is just take somebody who's in their 20s and they they surf porn on the web and they they go to strip clubs or even if they went and they bought, you know, certain health hygiene products for their girlfriend. All of that can be used as a package against them and say let's say in later in their life like in their 30s they've got things they've got their life pulled around maybe they've maybe they've come to a closer relationship with God I hope so and then in that place they now decide to run for office and all they have to do is go back to that ledger and they're like oh guess what let's use this against him what's going to prevent that cuz the the upside of 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 this blockchain is the security. The downside is those who control it. I guess that would be the easiest way to put it. Well, right. Hence the, the need for privacy coins and, and privacy transactions, which already exist. Uh, several renditions of various uh, crypto coins that use zero knowledge algorithms. And uh, it's even, it's getting better. 
in, in new applications as well, that people just have to make a conscious choice. You know, Bitcoin, originally part of the promise was that it, it's private, it's anonymous, no one can see what you're doing. Obviously, that's not true. It's, it's, open, it's an open blockchain, as you said. It's, a, it's an open ledger. And especially when people use on and off ramps, such as, uh, uh, you know, the like Binance or Coinbase, and they tie a credit card and an identity to their wallet, then you can be tracked through the system. But privacy coins change that uh, through math. Uh, you cannot be tracked through privacy coins if, if the encryption is done well, and if it, it's not compromised, like a, like a backdoor deep state honeypot operation, which do exist, of course. Uh, but you don't need to give up your privacy to, to purchase things with uh, crypto. You can, you can decide to use a, a, an actual privacy coin with zero knowledge and then that the history of, of your transaction cannot be tied back to you. So there you go. So that's that's like Monero, besides the probably the one I've looked at, which is a privacy, probably one of the better privacy coins out there, at least in my research. I, mean, I, I understand what you're saying. So that makes a lot of sense. Now, what about the tangible value behind this? Because I know that the way that cryptos are looked at, as a, a lot of the crypto traders argue that the 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 value is in the algorithm or the, that they're, they're trying to break and that there's, that's the, the, the limitation on that is what gives it a, a value like is equal to gold and silver, which I, I think is, for myself is hard to get, I get my head around because I don't totally agree with that because I still see it as just a digital something out here that if you lose your key or you lose your thumb drive, you've lost it all. What are your thoughts there? Well, I've always said that crypto is not digital gold. And so I completely agree with you on that. Um, the, the thing about gold that makes it gold is that it is a, an element on the table of elements, you know, same with silver. And in fact, you, know, you, can't, you can't burn up gold. You can't set gold on fire and turn it into something else. Like you can set a piano on fire and turn it into ash. It's no longer a piano. Right. You, you try to set a gold bar on fire, you just have uh, a melted pool of gold. It's still all gold. It's an element. The only way to change it is through nuclear fusion or, or fission. And if you're running fusion and fission in your basement, you probably have other agencies visiting you way beyond finance. But the, the point is gold and silver physical in your hands always has, I think, a critical role to play in asset protection and privacy and surviving the economic collapse that appears to be engineered all around us. But Crypto has a unique advantage of global portability. And you can see, you can not only, it, if you can remember your passwords, and some of these wallets have complex, like a 20 word seeded password, you have to memorize a sequence of 20 words if you ever want to restore your entire wallet from nothing. But by memorizing roughly 20 words, or if you want, you could tattoo them on on your rear end or whatever, <laughs> that would be interesting. Um, what is this? Um, exactly. Yeah, right. But you can actually cross borders. You can travel, you can go anywhere. And if you have access, you just, you key those 20 words back in as long as the system is still up and running, you know, as long as we haven't lost the power grid, you know, world war three might end all this, but if the systems are still functioning, you can regain access to your assets in that wallet just by memorizing something that's in your head. 
So there is value in that, especially as regimes become more tyrannical. They may try to confiscate your bank account or physical gold if they can find it, you know. That's why you should maybe hide it well. I don't know, <laughs> bury it, whatever. But they can't confiscate something that's in your head. So it's something to consider. I, I encourage people to reduce risk by spreading their assets into lots of different areas with very high redundancy and resiliency. But that means, in my view, getting out of the banking system as much as possible because the banking system is largely insolvent, as we've seen. I 100% agree. I, I do like what you're talking about here in terms of that is very much you and I are so much in accord here, which is diversification. And that and it goes back to your original comment about what is value, because seeds are valuable, as are chickens and as are cattle, as is a, an ability to have water from a well. And then we get into the other transactional abilities. Um, have you looked at all in, in what you're in the work that you're doing in terms of like a commodity or I should say it this way, more barter driven type exchange system? Have, have you looked at anything like that? I have. Yeah. It's the, the efficiencies are very difficult, you know, clearing transactions through barter without an intermediary token of value, such as a currency is extremely difficult. Even the best barter systems that are out there still have basically vouchers. So you trade this to somebody, you get vouchers, and then you use those vouchers to go get something from somebody else. So in essence, it's creating an intermediary currency anyway. Um, money has utility when it's real money. And I think that we are going to get back to something that's more real money. And, and, and let's not call today's currency money because it isn't. So by definition, something that, that should be called money is a thing that holds value. And today's fiat currencies do not hold value. And so, you know, we, we generally refer to dollars as money, but it isn't. It's a currency. And by my calculations, it's losing about 2% per month in its purchasing power. That's, that's a rapid devaluation of the, the so-called money. And it's only going to accelerate, by the way, since OPEC just cut uh, oil production by a million barrels per day uh, throughout the end of 2023. So get ready for higher energy prices and higher food prices, which means your your dollar will buy less and less with each passing day. So fully agree. It's a it's a good time to get out of the dollar. It is. So Mike, let's, let's that kind of leads where I'd like to kind of direct the show here at the end is really about these next steps. One of the things I I really feel a lot with people is there's a high levels of anxiety right now. And anxiety is a negative on our health, on our relationship in God, all of this. And there are ways forward here that we can work. I know, for example, one of the things I'm, I'm having a conversation tomorrow with an attorney to start drafting a measure we're going to try to get passed here in the county that will forbid businesses from accepting only FedNow, that they are going to have to accept alternate means of, of payment, such as gold, silver, uh -huh. and other ideas at a county level so that... Yeah. We might maybe it's a three to five year gap that you have to mandate on. People might say well, we can't do that over forever, but nonetheless, say that merchants have to be able to support that measure of payment because not everybody has a bank account. Right. So there's actions that we can take. I just like to hear some of your thoughts and more the more immediacy. Like you know, we talk about people are worried about paying bills, putting food on the table, and and you and I share a lot of this. So I just like to hear some of your thoughts on this. Well, 
the strategy is very straightforward to survive all of this. So I don't think anybody needs to panic. You just need to be informed and actually take action. Uh, the worst thing is to just go with the status quo. And the, the, you'll, you'll be financially destroyed if you just trust the authorities, in, in my opinion. So uh, translating dollars into other assets that hold value is easily doable right now. But there will be a day, I believe, when the banks announce withdrawal limits. In fact, I think that's coming very soon, perhaps in the next 90 days. Mm -hmm. And they will limit withdrawals to something like perhaps $10,000 a day or, or $25,000 a day, which maybe that sounds like a lot for day-to-day -day living, but maybe you sell your house in California for a million dollars, which isn't even a high-priced house in California. How are you going to get that million dollars out of the bank into the next thing you want to do with it? Well, you're going to have to write a check, ten thousand dollars a day, you know, for a hundred days. But that's that's a hundred business days, right? So that's months, and your money is locked up in a system there that could fail at any time, and you're losing two percent per month. So these are kind of slow motion bail-ins that are happening. What I say that people should look at, and again, I'm not I'm not a financial advisor, obviously, and everyone should do their own research, make their own decisions, but look at where you could translate dollars into real assets right now. You can buy gold or silver. You can get some crypto if you think it's appropriate for you as a, as a backup plan. You can buy real estate right now. You can buy a vehicle. You can buy bullets, diesel fuel, firearms, power tools. All these things have value. Seeds, you know, gardening tools, compost. Uh, you, you can get chicken wire and raise some chickens. You can go buy chickens right now. It's the right time of year. So translate things into real value so that when, this, when the system collapses, your losses are minimized in the fiat currency system. Once that collapse is over, there will be a rebuilding, a relaunch of civilization among whoever is still with us. Not everybody's going to survive this. And then you can retranslate your assets back into the new money whatever that looks like, maybe a, a state-sponsored gold-backed currency, maybe something new decentralized in the digital realm, whatever it is, they will accept gold. So <laughs> just think about that. Yeah, no, I think this is great. I really do. I mean, I'm a big one in believing that it's some way or another, we need to get down to almost a county level type uh, asset-backed currency to where it can never again and, and with equal exchange, like some of the crypto capabilities are out there, but so that it can never again be controlled by a central source. I mean, that, and that is, right. that's our biggest problem is we have worked towards this. What I say regularly is whenever it's in the pursuit of convenience that we have lost almost every bit of our freedoms. And anytime they use the word convenience or make your life easier, run away because it's, it's their trick to lure you in and take away more. So 100%. This is about decentralization because centralized power will always eventually be weaponized against you. And we're seeing it now in, in spades, selective prosecution of uh, political opponents of the regime, right? Absolutely. Uh, selective censorship, right? You can, you can speak freely as long as you agree with everything that the regime wants you to say. Uh, selective bailouts of banks. You know, certain banks get bailed out, certain banks won't get bailed out. Well, what determines that? Well, politics, right? So the systems are based on faith and the faith is draining away rapidly because people are watching 
the abandonment of any kind of uh, logic, reason, ethics, rule of law, morality, all of it. So we are living in the, uh, the accelerating fall of the US empire, I think of Western civilization, frankly. Uh, it's not gonna kill us all. If we prepare, we'll make it through. And uh, we will learn from this and we can actually create a better society on the other side of this. I truly believe that. I'm with you 100%. I think, and I, I love that perspective because it is, as you and I share, it's very optimistic, but also realistic. It's not going to be an easy walk, but we have to go through this trial to really get back to understanding who we are and what we were given in this nation to preserve and protect, which I think is so important. That's right. Exactly. Mike, it's always a pleasure having you on this show. If, if um, I'd like to pray, if that's okay, as, as we close. Please do. Go ahead. Father God, I just want to thank you for this amazing man and just has been uh, somebody that we've gotten to know and I've gotten to know and just his heart for humanity and his heart for the pursuit of the betterment of people's lives. Just ask you to continue to bless him and continue to raise his voice up and continue to provide him with the resources needed to expand the things he's doing to continue to lead in the ways of providing that hope and that way through in a very complicated and complex maze of events from technologies to understanding how to implement things on the ground to the many perspectives that Mike brings. And we're blessed to have him here today. So we just ask you to continue to bless him and his walk forward and all the people that work for him and all of his family. We say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, brother. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Scott. You are your yeah, you're, you're an amazing individual, and it's critical that you're here right now in this time. You bring, you bring a, a sense of faith and calm to lots of people. <laughs> well, thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. It's really, and I'll tell you honestly, I, and I always tease, my one video show a week is on Brighton. I'm really actually really proud of it. I enjoy it. It's a wonderful platform that you're building, and it's really an honor to be part of it. Um, and we'll, we'll talk more about how we can expand on that a little bit more because I'd like to get a bigger footprint out there as well, if that's okay with you. We'd love to help you do that in any way we can. All right. That's fantastic. Well, Mike, it's been a real inspiration today. Really enjoyed this conversation. Me I too. really thank you just for the wonderful insights you've provided into some of the ways ahead that, quite frankly, even have me very much on edge. And, and you've, <laughs> you've put some of my concerns to rest as we relens some of this through a much more uh, libertarian way, I think would be the best way to put that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, every time I have a conversation with you, it, it brings out the best in me. So I love doing this. Um, happy to join you anytime. Well, let's make that a regular and I'll, I'll work with your assistant and we'll start getting on regular. I'd like to have you on regularly. I think this is a really important time to keep this conversation going and to really understand, especially as, as you get closer to this zero day, which is going to be somewhere around July, and it's going to get nuts in between then and now. And we just need to continue to really good perspective to help people find a way forward in a calm way. Yeah. Well, I'm right here with you. So uh, let's talk after the show and see what, what else we can do together. All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you, Mike. And God bless and have a very blessed day. God bless. You too. Thank you, Scott. Well, Patriots, that was Mike Adams. And what I have to say was a really enjoyable interview especially challenging some of my own thoughts and perspectives of privacy coins and other elements and other aspects of blockchain. Obviously, we understand that the Fed 
and this Fed now garbage and this CBDC are all designed to enslave us. But there are many alternatives and things emerging in the technology fringe that Mike's been keeping good track of and I'm going to continue to pursue in, in research as well so that we can understand that there is a great deal of opportunity ahead of us as this Babylonian system falls to the ground. So I want to thank you for being here tonight. I'll see you this evening for Fishers of Men. Until then, or until the next time, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country.
an old evil that has waited thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.